It's time for episode 350 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's time to do a tech podcast. I am Micah Sargent, one of your hosts, and I am joined across this vast and boy is it ever changing internet uh, by my good buddy, good pal and dungeon buddy, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? Uh, I'm doing well. I enjoyed your tautological uh, introduction this week. <laughs> Thank you. I am happy to say we are joined by two incredible guests. And to my left is the co-host of Automators right here on Relay FM, as well as a writer of the OmniFocus book and an all-around nerd of the internet. That's right. You know her. We know her. It's Rosemary Orchard. Hello, Rose. Hello. Thank you for having me back. We are always happy to have you here. And to my left this week, it is a YouTube sensation. Our good friend, Renee Ritchie, returns. Hi, Renee. How are you doing? Hi, Dan. I was told previously that I, I have to talk about a Dan Morin book, but it, it could be my choice of which Dan Morin book. Yeah. Well, that's we're, we're very open here. We're very open. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I'm not going to talk about a book, but uh, we, we are going to get this show rolling because it's four topics, four guests, and only 30 minutes. Here we go. Uh, my question for you, Bloomberg just published an article talking about how uh, Apple is going to be launching a Mac trade-in program uh, at U.S. retail stores. And so it has me curious. Would you consider trading up your current laptop or desktop and future laptops and or desktops uh, for a new system like you do potentially with an iPhone with the iPhone upgrade program or another third party offering? Well, this is definitely something that I every time I've bought a Mac recently, they have in the not too distant future announced the new one uh, shortly after my purchase, which has led me to believe that maybe if there was an upgrade program, that wouldn't happen anymore. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't update my Macs at the same rate that I update my iOS devices. And um, part of that is because my new shinies are mostly my very portable new shinies um, with cameras and so on. And we all know that the cameras in Macs suck. Um, so I'm not going to be using that as a photography device anytime soon. And also, it's just a lot of hassle to migrate from Mac to Mac with so many different things and settings and so on that even with the best will in the world, you know, it's difficult to copy over. Um and also, Macs don't update that often. You know, the big changes don't come every year. Um, so right now, I would say definitely not on an annual basis, but every two years, I would consider it. I think, you know, I mean, Rose hits the practical matters on the head pretty well. I think for me, what's weird is that I have much more of like an emotional attachment to my Macs than I do my iPhone or my iPad. And maybe that's just the longevity of the time that I have spent on the Mac as a platform. Um, but, you know, I, I have an old Mac or two lying around that I don't even use anymore, but I keep around because, you know, I feel I feel affection for them. I love those old Macs. Um, I'm not someone like a John Moltz who just creates giant <laughs> stacks of computers for some reason and holds on to, like, every vintage a Mac. Or a, yeah, or a Stephen Hackett who's just, like, a collector, right? Like, that's not quite where I'm at. But I still feel a lot of affection. And, and I think Rose is right because I don't update my Mac that often. You have time to sort of develop 
that relationship. And also, I feel like they're so much more lovably quirky <laughs> with all the weird stuff that they do than an iPhone. Like, when an iPhone doesn't work, I just get angry. But when my Mac misbehaves, it's like, ah, you scamp. <laughs> I've handed down every single MacBook that I've had. Uh, you know, my brother has one. My sister has one. My godkids each have one. And part of the reason is because they are so long-lasting. Like, I think the only one that finally bit the bullet on my end was the was the polycarbonate white MacBook because it just kept cracking. But the aluminum ones have been rock solid and you you can work with them for a long time, update them for a long time, especially if it's someone who doesn't have really, really intensive computing needs, but they still need an actual computer. And, and I love the idea of the trade-in programs, but I don't think they're always the best value. Like if I really needed money, I would go to the trouble of selling it myself and probably get a little bit more money. So for me, it would really be like, I this thing is just nothing more that could be done with it. It's a hunk of inert matter. And at least I'll feel responsible enough to give it back to Apple, who will hopefully recycle it responsibly enough that it, that's the best funeral, the best torpedo I could launch at that planet <laughs> uh, for the MacBook. I typically have not handed down MacBook Pros. In fact, uh, the last MacBook Pro I had was a company machine. Uh, the current MacBook Pro I have is also a company machine. Um, so I haven't owned my own MacBook Pro in uh, quite some time. And because of, I, I think because of that, but also because of the uh, folks who surround me, I tend to hand down iPads over uh, MacBooks. I really see this as an opportunity uh, for me as a person who does tech podcasts and, and talks about tech regularly, uh, the potential to sort of upgrade devices more frequently. All of your responses there. Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which comes from Rosemary. All right. So in iOS 13.6, the beta that just came out and I installed earlier today, the health <laughs> app has added symptom tracking, which allows you to do things like track whether or not you've lost your sense of smell or taste or mood changes or abdominal cramps and so on. And for some of these, they were, you know, locked into the menstruation tracking before. And I was wondering if your iPhone could track anything about your life. What would you want it to track? And, you know, what do you track right now? And what do you like about it? I kind of hate tracking things. So <laughs> that's Ooh. my deep secret. Um, I don't know why. I just feel like there's a lot of data in there. And I'm not sure that I ever learn anything from it. And it just takes time of day. I go through fits and starts. Like I'll do every once in a while, I'll do like, like food tracking, meal tracking with like lose it or something like that. And then it always tapers off for me. I just, I don't stick with it. I think if I could track anything that was... um uh health related it might be related to just sort of allergies because there's probably things i don't think about in terms of like why they sometimes get triggered at weird times um or if it were non-health related i don't know i was about to say like i could track my daily word count and see how i'm doing on my book now that's just depressing i don't want to do that <laughs> i'm not sure that i would be really like good at sticking to any of these habits um, but I do appreciate that they've made it much more flexible in terms of the things that you can track. Yeah, I, I'm really similar to you that I, I always have like the intention to track things, but then the cognitive load of tracking things and the, the absurdity of one day having to track all the things I'm tracking just makes me want to give up uh, immediately. The one thing, though, that does sort of interest me, because there's been talk of mental health features on Apple Watch, is just 
negativity. Because I, I said before, I try to start every day off being Mr. Rogers. And at some point, I end up being either Homer Simpson or just feeling like John Wick. And I'd, I'd like to be able and, – and it's sometimes it's Twitter, like someone says something or a YouTube comment. And instead of being that, you know, that Mr. Rogers response, it's just, how dare you and blah, 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 and someone's wrong on the internet and I'm that cat furiously typing away on the keyboard. And I, if I could figure out that moment of transition uh, and just the – or just the weight of the internet in general on my moods and on my responses and on how I treat other human beings, I think that would be enlightening until it became just as enraging as everything else. I definitely do a lot of tracking. It's less about having all of these individual data points and more about connecting the dots. I would love to see Apple dig more into that. If I'm going to track all of this different information and have one uh, place for it, then give me some more analysis of that, I think would be the, the best thing. Well, I love tracking all of the things. So I would really like to have my screen time data merged with the Apple health data sometimes and to see whether or not, you know, the apps that I'm using actually affect things like my mood. And if, you know, perhaps sometimes it is causing a bit of a spike in heart rate, you know, looking at certain things going on in the world. Um, and, you know, it would be very interesting to have all of this data merged together. And as all of you said, you know, the analysis and, uh, I, I suck at tracking what I track, um, and I do tail off at things. So maybe helping me uh, with that a little bit as well with prompts would be good. But uh, the day that my iPhone knows that I have a headache is possibly a day that I should worry. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be good. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander lets you use abbreviations to expand simple things like your phone number or your address. I use Text Expander and have for ages. Uh, almost every day I use a little snippet that I created that's just called Slug, and it provides me the, the date. So I, I pop in the date, uh, the given date, and then I can title my folder or my file, whatever it happens to be afterwards. Um, I have found reasons to use snippets for so many different things that it's kind of hard to, you know, pick out any specific favorites. But one of the things that I will say is I can remember, I, I want to say it was, it could have even been Renee on MacBreak Weekly. I definitely remember it was me watching MacBreak Weekly back in high school. And sorry. And, uh, I was, I remember it being recommended. And the first time I heard about it, I thought, I don't know if that's some, like, I, it, it seems cool. I hear you being so enthusiastic about it, but I don't know if it's really that. I finally tried it and you really just have to try it. You're going to love it. It saves me so much time every single day. It's ridiculous. Um, Text Expander updates your snippets on all of your devices so you can use them when you work in the office or if you work at home. Makes your snippets more powerful with fill-ins, with pop-ups and so much more so your messages are customized instead of just boilerplate text. And it's available for companies too. That means that you can manage and share snippets across your entire team or department. Uh, Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And Clockwise listeners, you folks can get 20% off your first year. You just head to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Check it out now and see your productivity improve. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty, Dan, what have you got for us? 
All right. Well, news this week suggests that the transition of the Mac line to ARM processors custom built by Apple may be imminent. We've never said that before, and we've never been wrong before. Uh, But I want to know what excites you about this possibility, and on the flip side, what worries you about it? Renee, I know you're a man with thoughts on this issue. Yeah, I I mean, and it is both those things so very much, because a lot of what happens, we the anticipation of this is always, I want to say worse than the actual arrival of it, but that's not always the case because sometimes it's just flawless and we look and we can't believe that Apple managed like 64-bit apps on the Apple Watch. They literally just flipped a bit switch and it just works. And then there's when it is so painful, um, like when they, when they rewrote the, the uh, networking stack on, on the Mac and it just was bug after bug. And both those things are often true at the same time. So what excites me is Apple unleashing that silicon team onto the desktop Mac experience because Intel has just been so bad for so long and AMD is doing really well, but they're, you know, the, how long will they keep doing that well for and how long does x86 architecture really best serve all of us? They're the big open questions. But on the other hand, it is, you know, 80% of people will be fine. People who just type into Google Docs or do a lot of things, they'll, they may not even notice the difference. But there's going to be a percentage of people that if they thought 32-bit apps were painful, oh boy, are there new levels of pain to experience. And that is sort of my worry. My worry is how much pleasure and how much pain will we get out of this? And will it be worth it at the end? I, I hate to say this. I'm supposed to be you know, a technologist. Um, I don't really know what this means. I care about the outcome of what a processor or a, a, a GPU or whatever goes into the uh, technology does in terms of performance and how my my experience and interaction with the device is improved but the devices themselves the 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 little chips and things don't necessarily matter to me so I guess what I'm saying is, if it makes it better in some way, then I'm happy. If it makes it worse in some way, then I'm bummed out. Rosemary, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm mostly worried about the tech support that I'm going to need to do with friends and family, telling them whether or not they need to worry when right now I don't know the answer. I was already asked about this at lunchtime by my dad. My dad is not like into Apple rumors and stuff, but for some reason this popped up on his radar and I spent 20 minutes reassuring him it's all going to be fine. And I actually don't know. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a challenge getting everybody over to that and i'm wondering if this is going to be more difficult than our last changes have been simply because of the mass of users that are now on older systems and so on who are using software that software is still receiving updates and developers have to split their resources um and some developers are single person developers so they have to decide where their resources are going to go uh, which means some users whichever way you look at it are going to feel left out in the cold um, so I'm just hoping that it's all going to be extremely exciting because it will be as smooth as that Apple Watch transition was. I, as someone who's been through a lot of these transitions, I mean, I had a 68K Mac, I had PowerPC Max, I had Intel Max. Like, I, I think I'm pretty optimistic about it. Most of the prior transitions, while they did have pain points, Apple actually managed to do pretty smoothly. And I will say that they have done more processor architecture transitions than I think any other technology company around. So in terms of experience, they definitely have more 
uh, of dealing with that than, than anybody else. So they, they know what kind of problems they're likely to run into. I'm excited about the potential of Apple custom chips just in terms of things like I'd love to see a MacBook with, you know, super long, like all day battery life. That would be amazing and make a huge difference in my life. Um, the performance increases seem like they really there's a lot to gain there. And I, I'm very excited about that potential as well when Apple is really designing and building this whole machine. We've seen what they can do, obviously, on the iPhone, the iPad and the rest of their products. But uh, bringing that to the Mac as well, I think is great. Uh, obviously, there are concerns about about moving software over. And I think, you know, I, Renee, I saw you tweeting about this the other day. I, I think you're right that most people probably won't notice because of how much Apple has already baked in sort of the ability to compile uh, multi-platform code into its development process procedures. But there are going to be things that are left behind. There are going to be things that take longer. Um, and there are going to be people who are potentially frustrated with that. It's just a question of how well Apple does in terms of maintaining the experience for those on older devices more than anything. But I think that the vast majority of people are kind of like Micah, you or just like, hopefully just not going to know and not even going to notice when it happens right and just be like you know oh my my this new computer i bought it feels better than the old one um that's the ideal scenario right where just nobody really notices they just feel their experience getting better and my fingers are crossed that's what we're going to see so um mine is something that i've been struggling with recently and Last week, uh, almost everybody's social media feeds was very different than normal. They were filled, you know, for the last few months, they've been filled with a lot of pandemic, um, you know, people concerned about it, people not concerned about it, people concerned about the people not concerned about it. <laughs> and then most recently, it's been filled with protest content, people protesting, you know, massive societal problems, and then people protesting the protesters who then you want to protest. It's like the same sort of patterns. And it, 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 at first, you know, I, I didn't want to shy away from it because I realized that the people involved with all of us just had no choice to sh- but to but to stay engaged with it and to never shy away from it. But o- over the last few days, everything, or at least on my Twitter feed, a lot of it has returned to, n- to what I would call normal. And that has been even more disturbing to me because very little, almost nothing has changed. There have been some optimistic, you know, cases in, 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 around everything, but not very much has changed. And I wonder how to deal with both the ongoing issues, uh, you know, that's just layered on top of us in 2020, but also how, how to keep going with with a, a very, very different reality. And I know I'm phrasing this terribly, but that's my question to everybody is how are you dealing with the world being so different right now? Obviously, an excellent question and something that I have been <laughs> acutely aware of uh, in in seeing the shift again in social media. Um, I think, I, I suppose for me, what keeps me, uh, what uh, in, in dealing with it, I am coming to terms with the fact that my small portion of social media is not reflective of the the larger whole of society and is not reflective of necessarily um, the activity that is or is not taking place. Um, and I have to rest easy knowing that because if I do step outside of my own social media, I do see that people are still uh, pushing and and discussing and uh, and and you know looking for change. And I think that for me personally, um, 
I'm doing what I can to continue to make sure that uh, I'm aware of what's going on and others are aware of what's going on as need be and continuing to try to be uh, sensitive to that fact. At the same time, um, I understand why there is a shift um, back to relative normalcy in my social media and in the social media that you're seeing as well, Renee. And I think that part of that comes from... I have a feeling that unless you have some sort of psychological background, um, or by that I mean psychology background, you probably don't realize just how much uh, living in the time of a pandemic is affecting you on a personal level and the level of trauma that we're all experiencing. And any opportunity to reclaim normalcy uh, when we can find it, is an act of of protection of oneself, and is an act of 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 combating that trauma or trying to work through that trauma. So I'm just keeping <laughs> I'm keeping everything in mind. I guess is how I'm trying to deal with this and understand what's happening. Um, and it's not easy, and it is disheartening at some points. But as long as I know that I'm still doing uh, what I can, and the people that I care about and who truly care about me are still uh, trying to be aware and doing what they can, then that's what I'm relying on. Because I frankly don't have much more energy than to just worry about those things. I mean, social media is one of those things where it can be an amazing force for good and it can be an amazing force for bad as well. And I think, you know, we, we've seen, fortunately, over the last couple of weeks, mostly it being used as a force for good, or at least that's what I've seen. But at the same time, there's just so much going on in the world. Um, I have just mostly taken a social media break. Um, and I have, you know, made a point of keeping on top of things that are going on through the news and things like that and, and donating to charities directly. Um, and, and so on. But at some point, you know, if you're, if you're there and you're at the point where you're feeling like there's too much going on, social media is terrifying. Um, and it's, it's worth taking a break from it. Uh, if you're at that point where it's, you know, potentially going to push you to feel like you're being an awful person when most people underneath it all are good. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to find that balance. Um, and that's not to say that I'm pleased to see that it's returning to normal. I, I feel like we should, you know, be keeping everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks in mind for a longer period than the usual attention span of a net, uh, which is sadly what happens when everything is on 24-7, which is what we see through social media. Yeah, I think those are good points. I, I yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, th- this is a tricky thing to deal with. I think, you know, as we discussed, lots of people crave that escapism that social media seems to provide and while it is uh you know can be used as a great force for change i think there are a lot of people you know who for better or worse burn out on on you know trying to use social media as a place to affect that change and and, in large ways that's because it it feels like that's an opportunity but at the same time it can feel frustrating because like how much do you actually change things via social media as opposed to other through other means right um I think for me, finding that balance has been about 
slowly, you know, introducing more stuff on, you know, posting about more things that are closer to quote unquote normal. I don't think that you can ever really go back to normal. I think everything does change. Um, But it's about balancing that with keeping in touch with the things that are still going on and still being able to amplify the messages about what's happening in the world. And I think the most lasting change that for me uh, is going to come out of the way things have been recently is just broadening the group of people that I follow and listen to so that it's it's not just about the people in that bubble that I had before. And and the opportunity that's been there is seeing so many things uh, in the past few weeks, especially being you know retweeted and introducing me to new voices and, and people that I've then started following so that I can feel like I've got a broader group of people. And that way, it's not just about like the, the sphere that I'm in going back to the way it was before, because I've, I've made an opportunity, you know, taken this opportunity to change what that sphere looks like. Um, and that said, you know, there's only so much you can do about that. And, and, um, you kind of just have to figure out that balance for yourself. But I, I, I do realize from the the stuff that I've experienced that I, I don't want to simply go back to Twitter being exactly what it was for me before, for example, but I want to take away something from that, that, that then impacts how I consume social media in the future and how I use it in the future. And it's not perfect, but it's, it's a start, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of that. And I did very similarly. I, I greatly expanded just the amount of voices and the diversity of the voices that I was listening to. Uh, you know, especially because all the pushback I got was from the most incredibly non-diverse group of people imaginable. And I, I, that has been a huge change, a huge enlightenment is just showing me how much I didn't know or didn't realize or didn't think about or didn't consider. And that, you know, to, to be a positive change going forward. It's not just about, um, you know, not being bad, but actively fighting for good. And I think if you, if you can find a balance, then you can effectively do that. You know, if you, if you go too far in either direction, you'll probably be drowned out or you'll be ignored. But if you can find that balance, then maybe, maybe you have a chance of being part of that better conversation. Well put. Well, there's obviously a lot more to think about there. Um, but we are going to go ahead and wrap things up before the end of the show, though. I want to tell you about Cotton Bureau. That's right. Cotton Bureau are the folks who make awesome graphic tees, hoodies, and more. I have purchased uh, Cotton Bureau shirts in the past and Boy, howdy, are they some of the softest and longest-lasting shirts that I have ever owned. In fact, one of my favorite shirts, uh, Cough, James Thompson Cough, is a 42 P-Calc shirt in, uh, rendered in the colors of the bi flag, uh, pink, purple, and blue. And it's one of my favorite shirts, not only because it is a, a visual representation of a part of my identity, but also because it's so stinking soft. I love this shirt. Um, I, I, I've washed it, you know, dozens of times, if not more, and it always comes out if not if not the same then softer than it was before and so it's just fan dog on tastic i love it um look cotton bureau is kind of 
the friend of podcasters because they often do work with tech podcasting communities like Six Colors, The Incomparable, ATP, Max Stories, Stratechery, MKBHD, and so many Relay FM shows, including Connected, Upgrade, Mac Power Users, and Cortex. And you know what? Maybe we need to get a Clockwise shirt, Dan. I don't know about you, but maybe yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's, that's a good time. idea. That's uh, good. <laughs> Cotton Bureau is a great place to buy and sell t-shirts of all kinds themed around sports and movies and games and food and so much more. And whether it be sweatshirts or tees, they're high quality and they are so comfortable with great customer service to back it all up. Head to CottonBureau.com right now to check them out and use the code CLOCKWISE10 for 10% off. That's right. Go there now. That code is only valid until July 3rd, so you need to hop on it. That's CottonBureau.com with the code CLOCKWISE10 for 10% off. Our thanks to Cotton Bureau for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, super quick bonus question for you folks. What's your favorite quick meal? Rosemary, we'll start with you. Uh, fresh bread and tzatziki. Oh, I love tzatziki that so much. Great. Damn. Oh, fresh bread. Uh, pasta and tomato sauce and a little bit of uh, Romano cheese. Mine is uh, either what Micah is going to mention, which is just uh, beans and, and rice and stuff like that, or pasta. Both of those are quick and easy. Yes. Uh, beans, rice, straight into the instant pot for me. Throw in some spices, a little bit of chicken stock, and uh, hit that rice button. And 16, 20 minutes later, I've got a whole thing of beans and rice that I can use for multiple days. Um, it's fantastic. All righty. We have reached the end of another episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our incredible guests, Rosemary Orchard. We do appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was amazing fun, as always. And Renee Ritchie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. And please buy Dan's books, all of them. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great idea. I cannot agree with that more. Uh, We will be back next week. But until then, we remind you, as always, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.